on this episode, I talk a lot about the Europa League, some of the stuff, particularly Roma and Man United. Um, I also go through the Champions League group stage, sorry, Champions League um, round of 16 uh, first leg that we saw this week. Um, I touch a little bit on some of the um, uh, games from the domestic leagues, but this episode is primarily focused on the European football and the Champions Leagues, as well as uh, a few different things that I get into um, uh, beyond that. So um, thank you for listening and roll the intro. Tap in with the football tap like a spinal, or it could get messy like Lionel. Them other podcasts throw back like a vinyl. The guru, he the goat, so it really ain't no rivals. Podcasts about passion, barely dollars. My favorite, Ronaldo, Jamal Musala. Football tap, it should be on your radar. Come and kick it with us like Neymar, Sadio Mane, or Erling Haaland. Either way, the football tap, prime time. Yeah, now take that to the bank with you. The guru, he don't talk, he just pay pictures. Vividly, so come and see. What he's saying, highlights and more. You never get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get bored. Football tap, the number one source. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Yeah, yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Guru. Football tap. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. Yeah. With the football tap. Come and chill with the guru. Cause football back. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, another episode here. Um, it's been a very interesting and fascinating week in European football, specifically um, the Europa League and Champions League. Um, obviously, we're having kind of a, a picture of, of what, what is to come um, in those competitions as they've reached uh, the knockout phase. Um, obviously, today with a, with a lot of exciting action um, from from the Europa League and uh, Wednesday and Tuesday. Um, exciting may be pushing it, but uh, some results coming off um, in, the, in the Champions League. Um, but I am going to start um, in the Europa League. Um, much like I did last week, um, I'm just going to kind of run through a few of the results, and then I'm going to primarily focus on Roma Salzburg, um, Monaco Leverkusen, and Man United Barcelona. Um, I got a chance to see some of those matches. I saw Roma's match in full uh, in full length. Um, I saw um, Man United and Barcelona um, pretty much from the like the 20 minute mark onwards. Uh, I got to see mo- the majority of that game, and um, um, and so on. Uh, uh, so um, first thing first, I just want to kind of quickly run through the the rest of the, the the results we saw here to see who's going to actually be going on to the round of 16 um but but just a sidebar for a second here i act i um i don't like this this um i don't like this formula that they have in the europa league i don't like the fact that uh champions league teams can drop down um 
Now, the, the, the Europa League is going to end up being a very exhilarating and fascinating um, competition because of the, the quality of the teams that are down here um, and so on. Um, but the, the reason I don't like it is because, well, first of all, if, if you're a Europa League team, you're in this competition, you're doing well, you win your group, you're doing your thing, and then all of a sudden you have all these um, Champions League teams dropping down. I don't, I don't think it's, it's a very fair picture. Obviously, this year... It's going to be exciting, but it is it is gonna to a, to a certain point. Um, the, some of the some of the teams that were in the Europa League by the Europa League alone um, are going to ha- their their chances of winning the competition is smaller. Um, but I, I just don't like the the idea that because you finished third in the Champions League group that you should you should warrant something else. Um, when you get knocked out, you get knocked out. I don't want, you know, to see third-place teams down here. And I don't want to see third-place teams down in the Conference League. Uh, I, you know, so I really don't think there's any positive ROI on doing this because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so I'm a little annoyed at that part of it. Um, obviously, it's going to be very fun a competition and all that, but... But I, I don't like that aspect of it. I never have. I never understood the reason behind it. I've never understood why um, we do this. Uh, and the new formula of the Europa League is strange, too, where you have uh, second-place finishers playing against uh, the the winners of the sorry of the Champions League teams that dropped out. I like it in, in theory if you're going to do that. But to I, the calling this the playoff round is ridiculous. It's the round of 32. We can just call it the round of 32, and we can call the round of 16 teams the ones that won their group having a, a buy or or a whatever you want to call it. Um, but this is basically the round of 32. It is called the um, the, the Europa League playoff round, um, which will set up the round of 16. That's going to be a draw that's going to be coming out uh, tomorrow, I think. Um and I'll give you my perspective on Roma and who, which teams I would like to avoid if possible, who would be my primary matchup um, and all that stuff. But but I'm going to get to Roma in a second. But again, like I said, I'm just going to come through here. Um, Juve, by the way, the Italian teams are balling. Four wins out of four. Um, I don't know if I've explained – okay. I don't know if I've explained it to, to my audience why I don't – I don't – I don't – I'm not – Okay, I don't believe in the philosophy that because certain Italian teams are in Europe that I am obligated to, to support them. I'm obligated for, to cheer for them, and I just I just don't go through that. Now I, I think I'm not I'm not Italian, so if you're Italian, and I don't mean like you know, I, I mean like straight up Italian. Um, I understand why they would want to do that, but if you're if you're uh, if you are something else and Italian, I, I just don't see the the. I just never believed in the philosophy, and the reason I the reason I don't cheer for Italian teams unless I like them. For example, if Alonso was in the Champions League um, uh, this year, I would cheer for them. If they're in the Europa League, I'd cheer for them. If they're in the Conference League, I'd cheer for them. If you aren't, if you aren't I like Fiorentina. On the weekend, I want them to win. So I, w- I would like Fiorentina to win their group, which they did. Uh, uh, no, they I want them to go as far as they possibly can in the Conference League. Um, uh, AC Milan, I like. 
I'd like them to go well. I'd like them to do well and and thrive in in the in the Champions League. I want Inter to not win the, but I want Inter not to win the Champions League. But I do want them to to um to win for uh, for a very specific reason that uh you know I say it's, uh, that I will uh, mention later. Um, but uh, I didn't want Lazio to win. I didn't want Juve to win. Um, and depending on who matches up with who in the next round or the next phase. I may not cheer for all the Italian teams. The, the reason I never got behind it is because if I'm gonna if if I'm going to cheer for for Juventus on on if I'm not going to cheer for Juventus on um, whatever Wednesday or thir- Thursday whatever the day may be or or AC Milan or Inter Milan. If, sorry, if, if I'm sorry, sorry I, I said that badly. Um, if I'm not going to um, cheer for these teams. During the league matches, there I just find it ridiculous that we should all be obligated to cheer for these these same teams that we're cheering against in the league. Now, um, I'm okay with some of these teams doing well. I did not want Napoli to win. I'm I have no regrets about that. I wanted Frankfurt to beat the brakes off them. That's what I wanted. I wanted Juventus to lose. Uh, AC Milan I like, but because I don't want them picking up extra momentum because we're in a Champions League fight with them. I would like them not to do particularly well here, but I I don't like Spurs, so I want AC Milan to go through Spurs. But but in in the quarterfinals, if AC Milan goes through the quarterfinals, I will I will cheer against them more more, more likely than not. Uh, when, if when Inter get if Inter get through Porto, I will cheer against them more likely than not. Um, so you look at all those things. So so aside the point, um, I just wanted to quickly explain that because I've never really explained it into detail. I don't know if I did a great job of that, but I just don't, I just don't find the logic behind it. I, I, I think it's quite hypocritical for me to cheer for AC Milan, uh, Juve, all these teams on a Thursday, but want them to lose on a Sunday. That doesn't make sense to me. Now, if you are Italian, do your thing. And Romanian teams in the Champions League, I'm cheering for them. If from any Romanian, I don't care which team it is. Okay, so there's there's that part of it. So if but if you're if you're Italian and something or whatever, I, I just don't I just don't find the real reason that we all should be supporting the Italian teams. I want the t- Italian teams to do well, but I'm not personally going to su- support them if they make a champ. If Inter, and this 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 is not going to bode well. If Inter, AC Milan. Um, uh, Inter Inter AC Milan makes the Champions League final. I will be rooting against them. Um, if I don't know, if Juventus make the Europa League final, I will root against them. Uh, the only teams I would typically cheer for in the, in Europe are teams like Fiorentina, Atalanta, which I like, and in the past AC Milan. But for reasons. For the context of this season, I, I don't cheer for for I wouldn't want them to win either. So um, that's just something that I, a lot of people celebrate. I'm not doing that because I think it's quite hypocritical for me to sit up here and say, "Oh, I want AC Milan to win uh, against Spurs," but then, but then on the weekend, want them to wanting them to lose and drop points. Same with same with all these teams. Um, however, uh, Juve is a team that that I like. Um, as a team, not as not as whatever you, you get what I'm saying. Um, I think there's a lot of quality there, and I think their biggest problem is their manager. Now, with a different manager, um, I think this team could be really, really special. Um, I like the pieces that they have. I like the young pieces that they have. 
Um, I like the acquisition of Di Maria. I like there's there's a lot of of Juve that I, I really do like. I think they're a bit weak in the midfield, um, and I, I don't love the defense or but in the attack probably could use another piece. But I think it's a decent attack. I think the midfield is very good. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm 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 confusing myself. I don't like the midfield, but I do like I, I do like some of the pieces that they have. Uh, all around, I think Allegri is the biggest issue with that heavy Juventus. Now, again, they're looking for the net. They, they are dealing with the situation where they got docked uh, 15 points. Um, so with that being said, but beyond that, if you, if you just look at the mathematical part of this, if they had not gotten that, they would still be in the top four. Roma would still be in the top four as well. But 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 they would be among the top four. Um, obviously, we've seen them lose to, to Juventus. Sorry, lose to Napoli. Um and uh, but they they're they're gonna I think they're gonna I think they have a great chance of winning the Coppa Italia. I think they have a great chance of going deep in this competition. Um, I think it'd be it'd be nice to see them uh, gather some momentum and do, do do some damage in Europe and and league. And the reason why I'm kind of okay with you at this time is because uh, I I don't feel bad for them. But but because of the se- the way their season is going, I would like to put see them put together some sort of uh, run in one of these competitions as well. But um, Nance, there's a big against Nance, Nance today. Uh, there was a big uh, controversial penalty, non-penalty thing after the first leg. Um, uh, I believe that was in France. Actually, no, that was in that was that, well, that was in Italy. Um, but today it was uh, the Di Maria show. Uh, three goals, a hat trick for Di Maria. Um, outstanding performance. I didn't see the game, but I saw one of the uh, one of the, the goals and. Uh, the one where he clips it into the corners was really, really fantastic. Um, and that, I mean, he's having a, a very good season um, as well. So, um, you know, you look at seven goals this season. Now, that's not, I mean, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. Um, but, but, you know, Di Maria at his age, being able to do what he, he has done is great. And they're on to the next uh, phase of the competition. And, and uh, I think it's absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. Um, Sevilla um, nearly threw it away against PSV. Um, Sevilla had a three-goal lead going into the second leg against PSV. PSV brought it back. Again, there was, there was an altercation at the end of the game where a fan tried to attack the Sevilla goalkeeper, who then um, basically pushed him to the ground, and security um, took him away. Um, just, just ridiculous. Um, when I go to matches, I'm there to watch the team. I'm where I'm there to, um, to, to, you know, to watch the, to support my team and, and watch the, the game and, and the match and, and hope, hope things go well when things don't go well. Um, you know, that is, it is what it is. It's football. Um, obviously I, don't, I haven't really been able to go to any big European games, uh, recently. Um, but Minnesota United play well, et cetera, that same, same kind of thing. Um, let's see, uh, Union Berlin beat Ajax, uh, you know, it, it, it has appeared to me, oh, sorry, <laughs> it has been made aware to me off of how we've seen this Ajax team play, off of how we've seen Union Berlin, uh, deal with them here, and they, they had a goal that was disallowed in the first leg, um, Ajax is, is one of my favorite clubs, and Eric Ten Hag had so much importance on what they do well, and now it seems that they're losing the plot. Uh, uh, Shru- uh, Alfred Schroeder got sacked. They're they're going with their assistant manager, I believe. Um, they are. I mean, 
I, I'm gonna check this, but I, I believe they're they're doing very, um, uh, they're they're doing poor in in the table. Um, they are no, actually that's not doing that poor. Um, at one point they were all the way down to like uh, third or fourth. Um, they've they've gone back to the top two. Um, they're okay. They're they're not doing that bad. Three points off of Feyenoord, but again, this is not the same Ajax that we have been used to seeing under Eric Ten Hag, who's actually who's done a brilliant job at Man United. Uh, you know, you can and, and I knew that this was trouble because of the amount of players they got rid of um, in the summer. I I don't need to go through them all, but Anthony Martinez, uh, uh, Blind, Gravenberch, um, and so on. Uh, I, I'm uh, Sebastian Haller as well. Um, that they just got rid of almost their entire team, and um, while they have good players, you look at this lineup and, and no disrespect at all, but Bergwin, Tadic, uh, Kudos, Kudos, who's 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 I feel like is going to get a move in the summer. Um, Clausen, Taylor, Burgess, Alvarez, um, uh, Calvin, Bazi, uh, Timber, uh, Renich, and Ruli. Um well, actually, I didn't know they signed really. That's, that's not a bad deal. Um, but if you look at that, that and they st- they still have um, um, Alvarez in midfield. Um, still not not the the IX teams we have been you know accustomed to seeing over the years over under Eric Ten Hag, where they made the Europa League uh, quarterfinal, where they made the Champions League final, um, where they made the, another Europa League final. So so under Eric Ten Hag, they were just a different monster. I th- I don't think it helps that they got rid of so many so many pieces, um, but. Ajax clearly not the the, the team um, that they, they, they were, and uh, they they've hit some real struggles this season. When Napoli scored a six against them in Amsterdam, I knew this team was was poor. Now people pushed back a little when I said they were poor, but in comparison to what they had last season, this team isn't even close to the standard and the level that is expected. Um, from uh, you know a side like this, um, a team that's always in Europe, always pushing, and I, they were in a difficult group. Don't get me wrong, with Liverpool, Ajax, um, Napoli, and Rangers, but I still feel as if um, they, they're just they just not been delivering to the expectations. Um, it does not appear that they're, they're. I mean, they still technically could win the league. Um, but you know, I, I think that uh, that's very unlikely that they will. And I think this is, I mean, for for the for a team like Ajax, whose expectations each season is to win the league and having a, a either a Champions League, Europa League run, seeing it end like this, and you know, Berlin very well deserved a three-one victory um, as their magical season, um, you know, takes another um, twist. Um, I, I just, you know, it's just it's just sad to see what's what's happened to Ajax as well. Um, let's see here. Sporting beat uh, middle on 4-0. Um, uh, uh, Rennes beat uh, um, Shakhtar Donetsk. Unfortunately, the Ukrainian Giants are out. Um, and, um, yeah, unfortunately, because I think it would have been really cool to see Shakhtar get something going and do something special um, this competition just because of what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment. And uh, and everything that's going on with with the transfer stuff and them losing um, Mudrick to Chelsea. For, I mean, they got they got a boatload for him, but 
But still, um, so they end up they end up going down on penalties. Um, so yeah, so Shakhtar beat them in the first leg two one. They got beat two here two one. Um, go the, goes down to penalties and um, um, wait, do they win? Oh, my apologies. Sorry, I thought they lost. So scratch that. They did win on penalties, five four. Um, sorry, I, I I just I I for some reason I read it wrong. Uh, five four on penalties. Um, this was a shootout with a lot of misses. You know, but but again, Shakhtar eventually go through and do well, and and I'm happy for them. And again, for the Ukraine, I hope they continue to do well in this competition. Um, so on and so forth. Um, now. I'm going to start with um, Man United against Barcelona. Um, this has been, you know, over the two legs, uh, truly sensational. This was as close as to a, a Champions League type of atmosphere, type, type, Champions League type of, of, of contest um, between two teams that need to be playing matches like this in the Champions League next year. Um, obviously, as I said well, last week, Man United aren't going to fuck up their Champions League thing. They got it. It's in the bag. They got a cup final uh, on Saturday or Sunday. I don't know which day precisely, which they can they can break their uh, trophy drought. Um, I think there's a lot of optimism coming from Man United. Um, and the question was whether or not they would take this seriously, and I think they had to. Um, Played really well in the, in the first leg. I mean, you look at Marcus Rashford, for example, um, the most informed player in the world at the moment. And um, uh, for them to, to continue to do this, and they, they get the 2-2 the, uh, in the first leg. They get Barcelona get a soft penalty in the second leg um, to put them in front through uh, Robert Lewandowski. Um, but then uh, Man United slowly chip away, and you knew with, with the momentum that they were going to have, at Old Trafford, this was going to be uh, something. You know, this was this was going to play a big role into the type of success they were going to have in this game. Um. Anyway, yeah. So they go into the second leg with the momentum of having Old Trafford uh, fuck, to lean back on. Um, eventually, Man United, after Barcelona take the lead, start chipping away and chipping away. And managed to um, manage to come back with Fred of all people uh, scoring the goal, and then uh, in the 70 odd minute, Anthony comes up and delivers. Someone that has been heavily criticized in the Premier League for the lack of performance. He's had a couple of really bad um, uh, uh, showings as of late, um, but he has scored in some big games this season. He scores on another one. This one, this one is to. To knock out Barcelona. Barcelona were top of La Liga, and I, I talked about this uh, the other week. Uh, Barcelona, the La Liga, there's not a, La Liga doesn't have the quality it used to. It is a very a cut and dry, open and closed case. It's Real Madrid or Barcelona. Even teams like Atletico Madrid and Sevilla aren't getting into it anymore. Um, it's been outside of the the top couple teams in the league. It's the rest of the league is very poor. Uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid could sleepwalk some of these uh, some of these uh, matches and get results. I know uh, Real has dropped some points to some lower teams, but but generally speaking, La Liga isn't as strong. Um, 
as it used to be. Um, so when you think about Barcelona, you think about the team that they have put together. Um, I mean, not, you know, logically speaking, um, and I, I would call corrupt Barcelona because they spent all this money that they don't have, uh, and they were allowed to do so, while other teams have been punished for the for the very same thing they do, they were doing. Um, but you know, you look at Barcelona and you look at they came into this situation with the um, with the mentality of they turn it on for matches like this. Um, the first leg was was back and forth, a two uh, four goal thriller, two two goals apiece. They come into this, they take the early lead, and then they can't hold it. You see um, Fred get his goal, and you get, see Anthony get his goal uh, to see out out the the occasion to see um, uh, you know Barcelona uh, fall under the pressure. And again, this is the second time they've been in the Europa League in two years. Um, they could not get out of the group of death with Inter Milan and. Um, uh, Bayern Munich um, last year, the, um, they also were dropped, bent down um, out of the group stage that featured Bayern Munich and Benfica. They they went to I don't know how far they got, but but they did um, they did go out against um, Frankfurt in a very crazy game. You know Frankfurt, as we know, um, went on to win the Europa League. Um, last season against Rangers. Meanwhile, Barcelona had an exit. Last year, they didn't win anything, um, and the, the they didn't win. Uh, Real Madrid won the league again. Now this season, they're going to win the league. They're I think five or six points clear at the top. They don't seem to be slowing down in uh, a contest uh, at least domestically. They seem to be in good shape. They beat uh, Real Madrid in the. Um, the Supercopa, a couple, not that long ago, they are head and shoulders, not above Real Madrid, but they are the type of, they're they're in a type of a moment right now, where they're in, in prime position to win the title. Now, if if Barcelona were to throw it away, it would be quite embarrassing, considering they've been, you know, nearly flawless in La Liga um, this season. Um, let's see, I'm just gonna pull up the standings real quick. Um, yeah, Barcelona's on top with 59 points, uh, and second is Real Madrid with 51. Um, so, and I know, I know that, that Barcelona, um, did lose to Real Madrid earlier in the season, but they're, they're, they're standing firm with, um, with 55 points and they, they got a, they got a big lead on, on, um, on Real Madrid. And this was a type of. This is the type of match that Barcelona should have um, gotten to a different level because they're just skating through La Liga at the moment. You, we should have seen Barcelona reach um, a, a different type of level for this season or for this for this. Uh, sorry, for this matchup because of the context of it. It's Man United. It's Barcelona. Two historically great teams. Two historically great teams that have not won a great deal in the last couple of years. Barcelona haven't won anything significant since Messi um, left them two years ago. And uh, they haven't won the league since, uh, I want to say since Messi and and uh, and uh, Suarez were together. Meanwhile, they have, they have just seen, they have seen 
Real Madrid win the um, win win the league multiple times. Um, prior to that, we've seen Atletico Madrid win the league before that. So, so they they haven't won the league in quite a while. Um, but they, and they have to, they haven't won a European trophy even even longer. Their uh, their last Champions League success was in 2015. Um, we're in 2023 at, at the moment, uh, so it's it's coming on uh, 10 years since Barcelona uh, have have won a European trophy. This was another great opportunity for them to go do that. Um, and I think they just ran into a Man United team that, you know, they're just they're just different. Man United are back uh, in all sense of it. Eric Ten Hag has taken this team to a type, to a place um, in in English football where they have not been for a while. Now they've been to the Champions League, um, you know, a couple times and stuff like that, but they had a really been able to go the distance and sort of uh, outline the culture that Eric Ten Hag has built. You look at what he has done, what he did with those IX teams and um, the way he has battled through so many uncomfortable situations at Man United this season. He had to deal with the Ronaldo situation. And by the way, this Ronaldo story, they, they leave out the most important part. He tried to leave in the summer. Then he didn't leave in the summer, and then the club wanted him to leave in the summer. People forget the first step of that whole thing, and I know, uh, yeah, he's dealt with that horrible thing. Um, they ended up, you know, parting ways, and he could not, Eric Ten Hag could not have handled it um, much better um, than he did. I thought he handled it extremely well, and not only that, he took a lot of heat for a couple of early performances against Brentford, against um, Brighton, and against Manchester City. Uh, since then, since those that rocky start, he has been on a crash course for a potentially a top three finish. I think they're in the Champions League. I think it's a done deal that they're in the Champions League. Um, and you know, uh, they are. Let's just see what, what it is right now. Because I forgot who this, who's in third. Oh, they are in third. So Arsenal are, are 54 points. Man City is at 52 points. Man United are at 49 points. Um, Arsenal does have a game at hand. And then they got Tottenham and Newcastle um, on the outside looking in. There, there are those who believe that Manchester United can enter the title race this season. Um, I do not think so. Not in, they're in the title race. I just don't think they can win it this season. They're not going to do this in year one. Next season, they have a very good chance of winning it because I think they're, the club will strengthen even more with, with the likes of Victor Olsenman, who could could come down from, from Naples. Um, and Na- Napoli potentially could be interested in that just because they'll they'll get a lot of money for it. And their best players, Kovarishelia um, and Base, essentially, Napoli could win the title again, even without Victor, because they have Raspadori, who's, you know, coming off the bench a lot, been the rotation player in the in the side, who you can just throw up there where Victor was, and again, they probably buy another striker. But Napoli can survive without Victor Osman. They cannot without Cavara. 
But the fact that Victor Osman could be going for big money gives the you know gives Man United uh, the peace and gives Napoli the leverage that they want. Um, well, you bring someone like that in, you could talk about I don't know uh, Jonathan David potentially, um, maybe Patrick Schick. Uh, again, these aren't sexy names. The big ones are obviously Dusan Vladovic and um, and uh, Victor Osman. I think Vladovic could be. Uh, a departure with Juventus if they need to sell someone, uh, but at the same time, if they're able to win a trophy and get back into the Champions League um, through the Europa League, I think that he would want to stay. Um, he's been very vocal, not recently, but but when he was at Fiorentina, it was the only club he was interested in and in signing for, uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, Man United have done a tr- tremendous job here, and I think they're. They're, they're probably going to finish in the top three. They're going to return to the Champions League. I think they're going to beat Newcastle this weekend to um, to win the League Cup. I think to ending the trophy drought is step one, and then you go for the title next year. Uh, with with the but if you just look at the um, the acquisitions that were made, and again they spend money, they spend a lot of money, um, they spend more money than than a lot of clubs have, but. But they 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 brought in the right piece with Casemiro being brought in. You look at um, Anthony, who's been hit and miss, but it's been good. Uh, they brought in a wild, wild wake horse in January, who's I think he's been pretty, he's been all right, um, but obviously he's not the long-term manager up top. Um, and then you have obviously just coincidentally Marcus Rashford after the World Cup has been absolutely um, on fire. I think he's got 24 goals this season. He's been the most informed player in the world since the World Cup. Um, so everything is going in the right direction, and now you take that next step um, going going forward, and then obviously league uh, league title talk for next season. I think they'll be in the title race just because they're they're not that many points out, but I I, I just don't think this season is the year that they can do it. But ending the trophy drought is 100% the number one priority. And you look at the, the way Eric Ten Hag has transformed this Man United team in such a small amount of time. It's, it's been truly spectacular to see what he's been able to do, um, what he's done so far this season, um, and basically uh, an outline for the future with under Eric Ten Hag. And I think Man United fans have something to, to celebrate, something to be happy about for the first time in a while. Um, he made all the difficult decisions that needed to be made. He got them into the round of 16 of the Europa League, beat Barcelona, who a lot of people thought were the best the best team in that competition um, from the Champions League. Um, and I think there's a lot of positive uh, optimism to, to be made from Man United and what they've been able to do this season. And, you know, I've been very impressed. And uh, like I've always said, it's, it's better for football when Man United are good. Now I don't want to see them win the league five years in a row or anything like that. I want to I want to see a more competitive um, Premier League, obviously at the top, and with them involved in it. But they're certainly going in the right direction, and they're building a culture that will have long-term um, goals. And you you look at the the, the I mean just the center back partnership alone with um, Martinez and Varane has been absolutely spectacular. Um, they're good all over the place. Now, all they really need is is a guy uh, who can get in the, who who's a goal scoring striker, um, which will make them even more antagonizing, especially with with Marcus Rashford, Jared Sancho coming back and looking what looking good. Anthony is an option. So you look at all these different things, and I think 
I think Man United for large parts is, is doing a really terrific job. Um, um, this season, obviously, it looks like they're gonna they could break the trophy drought, and then uh, obviously trying to take a next step on top of that and, and go for the league next year. I don't think the league happens this year, but it, there's no question that Eric Ten Hag has has made has is is doing some really uh, special stuff over there in Manchester. All right. Um, Really, uh, not really quickly, but um, uh, Roma won uh, against Verona on the weekend to keep them in the top three. Um, on top of that, um, Ola Shlobakin, uh Roma's new signing that they uh, acquired from uh, Bobo Glint, signed on a free transfer. Um, I think people remember that uh, he was a part of the 6-1 annihilation of Roma. In the Conference League group stage last year, he also scored one of the goals in the quarterfinals against the very same team. Um, so, with that being said, um, great goal from him uh, against Verona. Uh, Abraham had to be subbed off after about 15 minutes due to a uh, injury to the eye. Um, uh, Karsdorp returned for Roma. I hope... Uh, I hope this is able to be sorted out because he is, he does have a, a significant value to this Roma team, um, and so on. Um, but Roma take care of business in the league that keeps them in the top three. Um, I think. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see who they play this weekend. I actually, uh, I am not totally sure. Um, before I talk about the Salzburg game. Um, Okay, uh, so they are playing at Cremonese uh, this weekend, and then the Juventus game is on Sunday um, the 5th. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so Roma get the, get the job done in the league uh, against Verona. They head into the second leg of the conference, uh, sorry, of the Europa League. Um, Roma want to, obviously, need to, Score at least two because um, they lost uh, the game in Austria thanks to a an 89th minute winner in a game that Roma wasted uh, you know an unbelievable amount of chances um, in front of goal um, totally unacceptable from all standards of it the clinical finishing in front of goal was just horrendous um, you know Bellotti did hit the bar in the first leg it should, probably should have gone in and whatnot. Um, but um, nonetheless, Roma come off that victory, have to go into this game uh, against um, against Salzburg. Uh, Dubala returned to the lineup. Um, he was in doubt for the game, but um, he did start from the very beginning and uh, and gonna give himself a chance to to make things happen uh, for the Romans. Um, Spinazzola, who played fairly well on the weekend. Uh, gets a return as well um, to the lineup. Um, and again, um, Roma, uh, because of Tammy's injury, he um, he's available on the bench but was not starting, did not start rather. Um, Bellotti started up top with Pellegrini and Dybala behind. 
Spinazzola, Matta, Cristante, Zalowski, Ambanias, Smalling, Mancini, and Patricio. Um, I don't know why I just told you the whole lineup, but but it is what it is. Um, anyway, um, sorry, I'm just I lost my train of thought. Um, this game went really well. Um, Roma knew that they needed two goals to overturn uh, the madness. Um, uh, they they dominated the game. Uh, Salisbury does not play well away from home. In front of the home fans, Roma just they just handled themselves in um, you know in a very simple fashion. Um, they had some they had some early chances in the beginning of the game. It took a little while for the game to, to pick up its momentum and really find those those moments for the Romans. Uh, Bellati takes. Uh, is scores the, the the critical goal to get themselves back on terms with a. Uh, by the way, Spinazzola run down the left side, cross into the box, right in the in the space of Bellotti. Bellotti gets his head on the end of it. Um, I believe that is his fourth goal of the season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't scored in the league yet. Um, but I believe that's his fourth goal in the Europa League, third goal in the Europa League, um, because he scored against Betis. He scored against Helsinki, and he scored tonight. Um, again, he's a player that that we signed to be a certain uh, to be a aid for Tammy Abraham. He has not uh, lived up to it. But again, Roma got him on a free deal. Didn't really need to go into things any further than that. Um, but um, he hasn't really delivered what we thought. We thought he's going to be a good number two. He gets 10, 12 goals a season. Uh, this season would be a would be a good guy who you could throw in there and do well. And he has not done well this season. But the last couple of performances have been very promising from him. He played great again on the weekend against Verona. Earned another start here. Uh, gets in the right position. Spinazzola obviously was a huge threat down that left side. Um, and uh, f- finds the spacing uh, to, to get his head on the end of it to, 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 to draw things level for Roma. Obviously, Roma did need another, and they, um, they didn't have to wait very long. Um, but, uh, you know, it's good to see Bellotti on the score sheet again, and um, I think he could be very important over the next couple weeks, um, uh, especially with, with Juventus coming up. Again, I don't think he would start in the game against Juventus, um, but I do think that Roma uh, will have to will, do have some attacking options that they can go with in a game like that. Um, um, yeah, obviously, um, but Spinazzola was kind of a the orchestrator of that. But Bellotti gets in the right place at the right time, kind of thing. Um, and then Roma get on a counterattack. I don't know, eight minutes later, Dybala, um obviously. Uh, putting himself in good position, Spinazzola down that left side again, crossed into the box, perfectly placed, um, could not have located the ball in a better area, and Dybala just uh, puts his foot out and sticks it in the back of the net to make it two goals, and Roma just kind of held it, held on to it to the, for the rest of the game. Um, now Salzburg did take 15 shots, but very rarely was Rui Patricio tested in any capacity at all. Uh, two of the three shots that they, that was t- that was taken um, just went straight to the keeper. Um, so you know you look at all these different situations. Um, it was a tense situation because they Roma needed they need those two goals. And even though Salzburg moved the ball well and got into dangerous positions, especially at the end, uh, Roma wasn't going to let this one um, fly. They very much would have liked like a third goal to really solidify. 
um, the performance and seal it. Um, but um, but the important thing is Roma get the points. Um, get get the points necessary uh, to put them in the in the round of sixteen, and that's exactly what they need to do. And again, the round of sixteen isn't going to be easy. Um, Obviously, we can hope for the weaker matchups all we want, um, but we have some. There are some absolute monstrous teams in that part of uh, you know in the in the round of 16 that they will face. They could potentially face with the likes of Arsenal, with the likes of Freiburg. Um, I mean, you know, obviously you could still end up with a Man United, a Union Berlin, a Sevilla, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, teams like that. So. Uh, you get enough, potentially Roma gets enough, to get another crack at Betis. I think would really be nice. Their home fans are ridiculous, but I want another crack at them personally. Um, now, who who do I want uh, in the in the next round? Um, that is an interesting question. Um, I would like a shot at Betis to be honest, but. Um, That's a tough one. Who would I want? Obviously, the weakest team of the teams that won is, is Saint uh, Union Saint Golizi, who is uh, who won their group. Um, but you know, I would like. Damn, it's hard to say. Um, hmm, interesting. Um, let's say this. I would like. Jeez, I don't know, man. Um, I'd like another shot at Betis, personally. Um, Fernabache would be a good draw for us. I, you know, I usually, I would like to have a, 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 a an opponent that challenges us, but I don't want to be having to play, like, a Arsenal or a Freiburg at this stage. I think that would be really um, difficult. It would take a lot out of us, especially with a potential uh, matchup with Juventus. Not potential. Especially with a matchup with Juventus coming up and stuff like that, I, I think, um, yeah, I think I think we'll have to see. But I would like another crack. But I'll, I'll we'll take whoever. But but obviously teams like United and Arsenal and Freiburg may not exactly go into the favor of 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 Roma in in that uh, way. Uh, but I want a winnable matchup. I don't want to be bounced out. I want a chance to make it as far as possible. Um, the only competition left Roma have not um, that that Roma can still win um, with Mourinho. You know, even though Roma are probably fifth or sixth favorites in this competition, there's still a chance for them to go to the final and do something pretty spectacular. Um, but we'll have to see what happens when that when the time comes. Um, the other game I want to talk about briefly um, is. Leverkusen, Xabi Alonso does his thing, gets them into a quarter. Sorry, into the round of 16 um, on penalties. Uh, you know, this was a a five-five aggregate score against Monaco. Monaco beat them at the death last time. Leverkusen beat them three-two um, this time, um, and obviously this was another uh, you know great performance from the man Florian Verts. I know I mentioned this uh, recently, but I think people are really starting. To, I think people have forgotten how good Florian Verts was before his injury. 
people have all these conversations about Jamal Musiala, Jude Bellingham. Before he was injured, he was it was just an, now it, it it changed slightly, but but during the before he was injured, um, he was overall, I mean, generally speaking, considered the best talent in Germany. Um, now you at at the time you could have debated uh, Jamal Musiala, um, but Wurtz was still considered the best talent in Germany. Um, before his injury, um, you know, Jamal's gone on to have a really terrific season um, in a, a very competitive um, um, exchange um, uh, with, with Nkuku and, and Julian Brandt and Kulu Omane as the best uh, players, sorry, not the, with the, as the best players in the league this season. Um, but I, 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 Think that over the last couple of and I know today's goal was to happen, but the, the goal he scored last week was absolutely outrageous, and you see that quality. And on on Leverkusen's third goal, it was a dime from Wurtz from outside the box, just hooked inside. Now, I've seen Wurtz play at his best. I know what his best looks like. I know what he looks like at 100%. That's the scary bit. This is the, the, this is the truly horrifying part about this. Is he isn't at 100%. I would guess he's at about 70. And since he's returned, so he returned on um, January 22nd at Bochum. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, at Glockbach. Sorry. He only played 16 minutes. Um, he's played uh, the the following the following match. He started his first. This his first start. Uh, they uh, Leverkusen ended up winning, I think, 2-0 um, with an unbelievable assist where he, he dropped the ball at, uh, at the line, uh, basically the touch line, with a uh, just a, del- a pinpoint delivery into the box. And Hullet, or I can't pronounce the guy's name, uh, tapped and and uh, and scored in. It was, it was an unbelievable um, goal. Um, and... Uh, just a terrific uh, uh, assist. Uh, Dortmund wasn't a good performance, but it was actually he actually outperformed Jules Bellingham in that game. But it wasn't a good performance from Leverkusen as a team. Um, Osberg, I thought he did well at Hoffenheim. He was unbelievable. Only one assist, but he had something to do with all all four uh, all three goals that were scored in that game. Then last uh, against Monaco, scores an unbelievable unbelievable goal. Beating multiple defenders before hitting into the bottom corner. Um, then, um, oh, sorry. Uh, then uh, an assist on the weekend against Mainz. They lost, but uh, assist against Mainz off the bench. Uh, and then tonight, um, a goal. But again, tapping and an unbelievable ball into the box that just kind of sets everything up for um, for the team. And again, he is the baddest motherfucker on the planet when he's healthy. Now he's not healthy yet. He's at about I'll give him 70% right now. When he gets to when he gets to full strength, you know, there's going to be some issues and uh there's going to be some problems um throughout because people talk about Jude Bellingham um in a certain way and it's just so unfortunate because the English infatuation ruined Jude Bellingham that we knew in the Bundesliga. The guys, people who watch him all the time. And um 
They've made him a little overrated because he's not in the conversation with Verts and, and Musiala. He's in the Kavinga, Kavinga, Chuamani, and Bellingham conversation. That's the conversation. Um, but in Germany, you look at the, the teams that they're, they're the, the top players in the young positions. I, I mean, oh, I can't say it. I can't say it because people are gonna hit me with some some. They're gonna they're gonna hate this. Um, all right, let me let me just say this because I don't think it's fair to compare. I think look, I think you can compare Jamal Musiala. You can com- with Verts and Bellingham. Now I think there's absolutely no conversation in the German talent pool aside from Verts and Musiala. I think Verts at 100% is better than Musiala. But it's like picking your favorite child. Verts is probably my favorite player, but Musiala is also my favorite player. They're both amazing, and they're both two of my favorites in the league. Um, those two, I think, in particular, that's a conversation. But we have to see a full season of Verts and a full season of Musiala next to each other to really evaluate. Now, you can say... Okay, Jamal is doing this this year, but is Jamal better than Verts last year before injury? It's hard, it's hard to say. It's a conversation. That's a legit conversation. Drew Bellingham is a completely different type of midfielder than the other two, but I think if, if you're talking about the best of the best of the best, I think the other two are certainly um, they're they're just there's just there's there's a bit of separation between those two. Jude, if he continues to go on this road and he continues to to get better and better and better, he will at he'll he'll return to that com- not return. He will become someone you could compare to the other two too. But at this moment, the only comparisons that can be made are Verts and and uh, Musiala. Now, if you're talking talents in the league, I'll be I'll be straight. I'm gonna be straight up honest on this. I think I think it's Verts. I think it's Musiala. We're very close. I'll be honest. I think uh, Matthias. Uh, that's not Matthias. Mathel's uh, Tell is the third best talent in the league. If you look at the minutes he's getting, again, he's, he's, he's a different type of position. But but if you look at the minutes he's getting and the contributions he's making in in games for Bayern Munich, it's unbelievable. He's st- I believe he's still only um he's still only 17 years old. Yeah, he doesn't turn 18 until April 27th. I. If you if you watch this kid play, you see all the potentials there, all the talent there. He just added a team that is full of, of ballers at his position, so he doesn't get a ton of minutes. But when he does, he always delivers. Um, he's a guy that you can bring off the bench and has great depth and and has done all these great things with Bayern Munich. Um, I think he's the third best talent in the league. But but aside from all this, I think it's it's so great against to, to see Verts back at that level. And again, that's the scary part of this. He's not at 100%, and he already has two goals. And he has six, two goals and four assists this season. He's got six goal contributions this season. Um, let me. I, I'm just curious. I'm just going to look at the Bundesliga um, assists, and I'm going to get into the Champions League again. Second week in row, I've, I've spent too much time in the Europa League uh, conversation. Um, but um, oh, not Champions League. Sorry, uh, Bundesliga. Um, I mean, uh, so in the Bundesliga, um, actually, I don't know how this, how much, how much this comparison actually makes that much sense. 
Um, but he he has as many assists as some of of as some of. All right. The point is, he has the same number of assists in all competitions as some of uh, the, as some Bundesliga players um, who've been playing week in week out in attacking positions. Um, so it just highlights how how important and, and, and influential he has been this season continues to be and again when he gets full strength i think we're all in trouble i think we're going to start we're going to start remembering how good he is um anybody that's what has watched him since he's returned he's been absolutely fabulous again they go through uh, they win on penalties um doesn't take a penalty but but scores a goal and also supplies an assist um and again there's no mediocre assist that the verts is putting on there are there pinball drops in the box. There are no look passes. They're they're just extraordinary level of sort of that genius uh, that we've seen from him. All right, all right. The reason um, the Champions League stuff um, has has been less. I think it's been less fun, less exciting, less less. Um, you know, it's just not been as you know fascinating as some of the. Some of the stuff um, in uh, the Champions League this week. Um, I'm not going to spend a. I'm probably just going to skim through this because I'm already. I've already been going for about an hour, almost an hour. Um, I'm just going to quickly review the games, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the Bundesliga uh, uh, title race and relegation battle. Um, uh, but we're, we'll just cut through this really quickly. Uh, Maybe next week I'll do two separate episodes, one about the Champions League, one about the Europa League, or sorry, et cetera, something, something like that, or I'll figure it out. I'm, I'm just kind of working out what, what I can work out. Um, again, Liverpool Liverpool at, at um, Anfield is the host uh, was the host of Liverpool against Real Madrid. Again, this whole – first the first, first things first. This revenge narrative is ridiculous, and it, 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 there comes a point where it's no longer revenge. They lost in the Champions League final, then they played in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They lost in that, and then they they went in the Champions League final last year. They lost in that. So, if again, if Liverpool had won this game, it would not have been, it would not have been revenge, because you cannot be caught talking about revenge when you lost. Since the Champions League final, you've lost. Two two games. You count this one as three games. So you lost to Liverpool three times. Sorry, Liverpool lost to Real Madrid three times since the Champions League final, the first one. So that I mean, this revenge thing is just—it's no longer revenge. However, this was probably the most exciting game from from the Champions League um, because it, it was just—it was so much going on. Um, Anfield, obviously, this this reputation of being. This absolute dominant in Europe, and again, in English in English terms, in English football, they probably earned that title of being one of the most dominating uh, teams in the world. Um, sorry, most most difficult atmospheres um, for um, in the Premier League. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. I, I would I believe that to be the case. Uh, they got one loss this season against Leeds United at home. That's it. Um, and I think it was their only loss at home in like five years or something like that. I, there's some stat. I don't know if it's true. Um, but you look at everything else in this um, situation, in this scenario. Um, it's you know it's, it's very different here, and I, I just don't think Anfield is the fortress in Europe 
that people claim it is. Now it's very, it's still, again, it's, it's a very good place. Uh, it's, it's not an easy place to fight. It's a very difficult place to make things happen. Um, but if you look at all in all, all together, I think Marseille is more difficult. I think Galatasaray is more difficult. Um, I think, I mean, they're not in the chambers. I think Stuttgart is more difficult. I think Frankfurt's more difficult. There's, I think a lot of the, uh, uh, of the Turkish teams actually probably more difficult. I think Red Star is more complicated. Parzan, uh, I could go on and on. So in the grand scheme of things, is Liver uh, Dortmund, um, Bayern even. Um, so you look at if you look at how everything kind of plays out, they have this perception of being this this fortress. Even though they got they got punked by by Diego Simeone against Atletico Madrid, and then obviously what happened uh, this week as well. Um, um, could not have started better. Could not have started better. Um, two goals, one from Darwin Nunez, an unbelievable goal that he needed. Um, short on confidence and all that stuff. He absolutely, absolutely needed a goal to just get him back on track. Again, Liverpool made the mistake with paying the money they did for Darwin. Darwin had all that pressure on him, couldn't deliver. There, there, there's many strikers that they could have got for cheaper that would be per, that would be delivering on a higher level. Darwin's missed a lot of big chances. He's had a rough go at it in Liverpool. I do think he'll come good, and I do think he has the potential to be something special. Um, but you have to look at all the, these things. They, they just took a plunge on someone that they probably shouldn't have, um, at least at that price, and he's not had a great season. He needed that season. An unbelievable goal, a back heel goal to give him the lead. And then Mohamed Salah scores a second, just not not long after. Um, and, uh, again, horrible goalkeeping by Courtois, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but had a horrible moment. And Liverpool are 2-0 up. It would be the last two goals of their game. It would, uh, it would be the last two goals they – sorry. It would be the last goal they score in this game. Because then we, I think if you saw the game, you know what happens next. Vinicius Jr. seven minutes later, unbelievable a strike into the corner. A horrible mistake by Allison in the 36th minute, and again, just passed it into his foot. And, and Vinicius just pressures him. Um, in the second half, just shambolic defending, nothing in midfield, just an erratic performance. Militao scores on a header that was mutually unguarded. Um, Kobe, I, I believe, uh, Kobe Hapko. Was the one that was supposed to follow him on the on the on the um, on the free kick from the corner, um, but but you know overall horrible defense because Melatow on that play is legitimately open by himself um, and he just an easiest free header. Uh, most guys are gonna gonna find space to to put in the back of that, especially when they're they're wide open. Um, Benzema scores, and uh, you know, not long after to make it 4-2, and then Benzema scores another to make it um, 5-2. A double for Vinicius, a double for Benzema, um, and then obviously uh, brilliant, brilliant delivery for um, for the goal on, on for Militao by Modric, who again I, I've said this before, he is the he's the definition. Of aging gracefully in, in sports, five foot six, 142 pounds. I am five foot ten, 182 pounds. So when we talk about the guys like LeBron James, you talk about Tom Brady, um, guys like that. Luka Modric should be the example of that. At 38 years old, 
I believe he's still probably I mean he's up there with the best um, midfielders in the world, the game changers in the world. Like there's a huge difference between what Real Madrid has in midfield and what Liverpool has in midfield. There's a huge difference. There's a reason why Jude Bellingham is 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 what they want. And I, I actually think he will not play. I think he'll actually go to Real Madrid. Um, but but you look at what they had. They had Alnurst. Uh, no, sorry. Federico Valverde, um, Luka Modric, and um, Eduardo Camavinga. Three ballers. Not to mention they had Chuamani out with injury and Cruz didn't play in there. Uh, just unbelievable. But, but Luka Modric, I just what, what can you say again? Just absolutely spectacular. Vinny, Vinny Jr., one of the best players in the world. Just a, such a, a phenomenal athlete with, with the skill and ability. And then you're talking about Benzema, one of the all-time great Real Madrid players, one of the all-time greats in the Champions League history. He is third on the all-time score list, and he he went three clear of Lewandowski with, with this performance. I mean, you know. Things started so well for Liverpool and could not do a thing um, after it and were vulnerable pretty much the entire – the rest of the time. Um, Benzema uh, – sorry, not Benzema. Um, Vinny has six goals in the Champions League this season in seven games. And he has – let's see here. 13 goals – sorry, 13, 15. So he's got 15 – and four, five, seven. Fifteen goals, seven assists. Um, actually, let me see if I can find the whole thing. Um, because they did have the Club World Cup. Okay, he had eighteen goal. His eighteen goals, nine assists this season. Baller. Um, and obviously Benzema, who who has been. Um, Won the won the ball in Dora last year. I'm just I'm just curious because I don't know off offhand. Um, who had kind of a slow start to the season, but has picked it up lately. Um, and he's wow, he really picked it up lately. Uh, 18 goals and five assists. Okay, he okay he hadn't been been struggling, but when I made the the episode about the uh, the um, the ball in Dora episode where I talk about Benzema. Uh, that season he had um, not uh, done as well. So um, anyway, Liverpool just ripped to shreds. I think it was just an embarrassing performance from all standard, especially defensively and and in the midfield. Again, I also think Anfield has been proven to be not a fortress for everybody because Real Madrid just went in there and did what Real Madrid does. They went from two goals down to five to finishing, uh, and you know they're not going to win La Liga. They are, I think they're a 50 shot to win the Champions League again though. It's just what they do. Um, all right, moving on. I'm probably just going to let's see, because we got Frankfurt, Napoli, and then we got okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quickly summarize. Um, uh, Napoli uh, beat Frankfurt two 0 uh, deservingly so. Cavara Cachalia was excellent. Victor Osman was fantastic. Uh, they absolutely uh, deserved um, their points, and they did in Germany. Um, Basically signifying the tie is over. Um, I mean, uh, Frankfurt had 30% possession, um, five only five goal uh, shots, and and uh, Napoli absolutely ran away with it. Um, uh, to, just an absolute spectacular performance. But I do have I do have to, I I do take issue 
with uh, the red card because before the red card, it was a one-nil game. If Frankfurt leaves Frankfurt <laughs> with a one-nil with a one-nil uh, uh, um, result, one-nil game, um, they can they can turn it around to Naples. Now Naples Napoli is a great one of the top sides in Europe. They have a good chance to go go very far in this competition, but. The St- the Stadio San Paolo is not a fortress because the stadium does not replicate fortress, and they don't. No one's again. They're afraid of the team, but they're not afraid of lo- uh, like playing there. It's not it's not an intimidating atmosphere as much as as it is. Um, Napoli deserve this. I want to make that clear. I want to be 100% transparent on this. But Kulomane getting a, a straight red card in the 58th minute. It was a 50-50 ball between him and Andresa, uh, whatever. Both. Both players go for the ball. Both players get stamped on. Kulamani gets steps on him, and he steps on him. Why was only one person given a card for this? Why was only one person given um, given punishment for this? Why was a red card give a straight red card given to Kulamani, but nothing was given to the other player? Th- that changes the fucking game. That doesn't happen. Maybe they don't concede a second goal. Um, and it changes the tide. Now, Frankfurt probably doesn't go through. Uh, they probably weren't going to go through anyways. But I think get, giving a red card in that scenario was was absurd, ridiculous, in any um, in any sense of the word. Um, and uh, and I, I just I just think it it's just it was like I, I just don't understand it. I, I just I'm trying to think of a logical reason why they would give that card. It was. Never a red card in, in a million years. That's not a red card. That's not even a yellow card for me. It was a 50-50 ball. It was an unfortunate collision between two players. Why is only one player being punished for it and not the other? I think maybe there was pressure because Napoli hadn't been out of, has never been out of the round of 16. They have a horrible reputation in the league. Uh, sorry, in uh, in European football. Um, and um, at least in the Champions League. Never out of the round of 16. They're going to do that now. Uh, Spalletti's a fantastic job, so nothing, nothing but love for the, the team that he's putting together there and the team he's that's that's just been flying 18 points clear in the league, and now is a good chance of, of running it in the Champions League. I'm not going to support them. I'm just not going to. Um, but they deserved it. But the red card changes the complexion of the tie, and if they don't, if if Frankfurt wins one nil. And they go out 2-1. The reason they would have gone out was because of that red card. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think it was it was a very it was an outrageous call to make on a game that um, that Napoli deserved, but maybe the margin isn't there. Secondly, Alex Murat is not a good goalkeeper. Um, he's been protected by King Himjay, who's the best center back in the world this season. Kevin Trapp. It might may be difficult to, to pull off, especially because they're doing so well. Would be a perfect goalkeeper for Napoli. You know, he he kept Frankfurt alive in that game so many different times, and I think Napoli should highly consider Kevin Trapp as a goalkeeper for for Napoli in the future. I know Alex Morad just got a new contract, but he's getting paid because of Kim, not because of not because he's some great goalkeeper. He's not. He's good enough, but but if Napoli wants to take on the world, they need better than good enough. They need world class. And Kevin Trapp is a world-class goalkeeper. Um, so that's something that I think um, Napoli should consider in the summer if, if it comes to it. All right. 
Um, all right. Uh, Leipzig. Uh, okay, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. Uh, Leipzig got a 1-1 draw with Man City. They go back to, to Manchester with with uh, with everything knotted up. I do think Leipzig have a chance. I think Marco Rose plays a very weird formation, but it works. I think they were very effective. Um, they didn't have as much as the ball, but they were more they were more clinical in front of goal. They got themselves in a good position and so on and so forth. Um, so I, I really do think that. Uh, that they did a ter- terrific job against Man City. Again, Man City does not look like Man City has looked over the years. They've managed to make one of the most exciting players in the world look boring. Holland is not fun with Man City. He did a lot in that game, and and again, every time he doesn't score, he gets gets uh, he gets crushed because because of the amount of goals he scored. Um, I think Man City, you know, dropped points against Nottingham Forest, dropped uh, to Leipzig. And um, again, they need to put, put pressure on Arsenal, or, or Arsenal are going to uh, win the league. And you know, it, it's just, um, it's not, yeah, it's just not it. Um, but Leipzig have to be very happy with this. I think there's a chance Leipzig wins. This Man City's not winning the Champions League. They're, they're probably not winning the Premier League. They're definitely not winning the Champions League, though. They're just not good enough. Uh, and that's, the, I think that's, the, that's the big thing uh, surrounding um, this. And again. Well done by Leipzig getting that point. Um, they, I mean, they're alive in it. They're very alive in, in the situation, and and they're going to go on again. Last, one last thing: Porto, um, Inter Milan. Okay, before I before I briefly talk about this, um, Inter Milan fans are starting to become boring because they are. They're, they're, they've been driven to a point of pure insanity and delusion. Um, I like, okay, I hate, I, yeah, I don't like Inter Milan fans. I don't like Inter Milan. But I, I'll say this. I prefer Inter Milan fans that are obnoxious, that believe that they are the best team in the world, that believe they can go on and win all these trophies that believe every year they should be the favorite for the Champions League, that they should be the favorite for the league. The Inter Milan fans of the 2000s were obnoxious as it fucking gets. You know, every year we're hearing about how they're going to do this, they're going to do that. We're the best team, this. We have this. We, we make all the best. They're, igno- they're annoying. They're obnoxious. They don't live in the real world. That's the, that's the Inter Milan fans that I love to hate. But the ones that I'm, the ones that I'm seeing now, they're boring. They don't do anything. All they do is mope and complain about how their team, their team isn't that their team isn't good enough to do anything. That they can't win trophies. That they can't do this. They can't do that. They have to be the most ungrateful fan base in the fucking world. Um, and I mean this seriously. And here's why: they don't have a sliver of belief or confidence in their team. There is no optimism in that fan base. Not an optimistic thing about them. Now, there is plenty of reasons for them to be um, to be disappointed, to not be liking what they've been seeing. Porto, again, Porto played great in that game. Onana saved Inter, and, and, you know, and what happened, happened. But the amount of Inter fans I talked to, and I talked to a fair few before, uh, before recording this, before, sorry, before the game. N- only one, 
only one thought the intro we're going to go through. All of them were under this crazy illusion that their team sucks. They do. It, it, it just drives me nuts because they beat Barcelona. They got a draw against Barcelona. They played well against Bayern Munich on both occasions. They won both of their games against Victoria Pilsen. They deserve to finish second. They got out of the group of death, but they think they suck. It's unbelievable. And I know Latoro has to save their bacon far, far too many times. Jacko obviously has is contributing to that as well. They have their individual performances and their individual players have to deliver for them. And when they don't deliver, the team struggles. I understand all that. I understand that they don't like being dropping points against Monza, against Empoli, um, against uh, Sampdoria. This isn't what they want to do. This is this is not what they want to do. But to, to hear no confidence at all from the fan base is disappointing. And I, this is my belief. They, they, they're, they're saying, Porto, we're going to win the game. Um, they, they're going to go through. And here's why they say that. They, they're, they're so spoiled that they, they want to condition themselves to, to be totally pessimistic about the team. Therefore, if they lose, there's no disappointment. They're cowardice. That's what they are. They're, they're this 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 sort of thought process about their their the fan base is it, it's a cowardly thing to do. Only cowards would would not back themselves again if they're playing Bayern Munich. Okay, if they're playing Real Madrid. Okay, if they're playing I don't know Dortmund. All right, whatever whatever you want to say. But the point is the point is. I think a lot of the times they're picking against Inter Milan purely because they don't, you know, because they want to lower expectations. So if they if they if they do well, it's amazing. If they do poorly, you know, it's like oh well, what I picked them not, I picked them not to win. It's it's just ridiculous on any level. Um, it's annoying because I want to see the delusion. I want the obnoxiousness of Inter. I, they should be banging on the table. Inter has individual players that can get them to a Champions League final. If they get through Porto, they get favorable draws. They can make a final of a Champions League. Um, but they're, yeah, they're just acting totally and utterly uh, flat out ridiculous. Um, and uh, again, I don't like this. There's no belief in the team. And guess what? That carries over to the to the players. The fans don't believe in you. How are you going to deliver when the fans are, are – all you hear from Inter fans are negative and pessimistic things. They've won a league title at Copa Italia in back-to-back years. This year, they, they made it to the uh, – they're halfway to a quarterfinal of a Champions League. They're in a semifinal of the Copa Italia. They could win a Copa Italia again. They're, again, they're not going to win the league. But they still have a three-point cushion from themselves than they do from Inter, from they do from Roma, than they do from, from AC Milan, Lazio, Alonso, all those. They, they're in position to finish second again. Inter Milan have not had an embarrassing defeat by a large number of goals in years. Yet they, 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 they sit up here and they, they, they whine and complain. I, I just want to live in a world again where Inter Milan fans believe in their team to a delusional point. Now, you can be obnoxious and delusional, but but the fans that, that just this pessimistic stuff ain't gonna work. If I'm an Inter Milan fan, and thank God I'm not, but if I'm an if I'm an Inter fan, 
I'm banging. I'm like, fuck yeah, we're going to go through. Why would you ask me such a ridiculous question? And again, if, if we're playing Bayern Munich, you still have to back yourself to a certain extent. Now, I'm not saying you have to pick your team to win, but against against you know almost the large majority of this competition, you should believe because you have the individual quality, you have the depth. It just you just don't, don't have the winning mentality enough, and you don't have um, the clinical finishing ability in front of goal. Um, that's you, but you still should back yourself because. They got one of the best teams, on paper at least, and they can deliver. They could go on and win the Champions League. It, it wouldn't be unheard of. Um, anyway, my rant over. Um, uh, Onana saved, had a triple save on Porto. Um, um, and then Lukaku won it in the end of the 86th minute after sending off. Uh, Porto's going to be up for it in, in Portugal. I think it's. I don't think it's over. I think Inter Milan, do so, though, should feel that they can they can handle this second leg. I don't think they're going to be embarrassed. I don't. Th- I think they should believe that they can go through, and I think that they should believe they can go far. Now, it wasn't the best performance we've seen from them, but Onana in goal is is dynamo. He's he's unbelievable. Um, switching from Handanovic to Onana was was a, was the smartest thing they could have done, and he's been absolutely spectacular. Top three goalkeeper in the league this season, and now you're looking at. Um, uh, you're you're halfway to the to the Champions League quarterfinals. You get through the next leg, you're there. Um, so I really think that we're going to see a lot of different um, Inter Milan and Porto. I think they'll be more aggressive because I think you get that second goal early. It's 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 good night, Irene. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is uh, the Champions League. Or sorry, the the, the Bundesliga title is heating up uh, this week. Uh, it's been. I mean, there's three there's three teams on 43 points, and there's there's six teams in the title race basically. There's five points separating first and sixth, um, and I think this is only going to heat up this weekend. It's only going to heat up uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and I think it's going to be great. On the bottom, you got three teams on 19 points trying to survive. That's also extremely fascinating, and I think the Bundesliga has just been the the, the best league this season, the most exciting league this season in so many different ways. Um, and, um, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't do too much, uh, domestic football this, this week. Um, but, um, obviously with the Champions League, Europa League stuff, um, there's a lot of stuff to get into and, um, um, that will do it. Um, thanks for listening and see you in the next one.